Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and the Brew Bar. The Everything Sequel podcast contains explicit language. Because we learned it from you, Dad. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast, the last summer edition. My name is Michael Chance of the How Dare You Awards. With me, as always, is Tom Stewart. Say hello to everyone, Tom. I couldn't really see his face, but he's not from around here. <laughs> Perfect. Those two statements cannot exist together. Nope. We are talking about the 2006 sequel, I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. This movie has no box office, Tom. It is a direct-to-video sequel directed by Sylvain White, who did direct Stomp the Yard and The Losers. Hmm. If that means anything to you. Nope. (laughs) All right, so this is a movie... (laughs) You know, when we start first started talking... This is a movie? Yeah, it's a movie. Slow down, my friends. Slow it's down. It's a movie. O- officially. <laughs> you know. <laughs> As a legal entity, this is uh, a movie. Yeah, that's, that's what I was looking to say. As a legal <laughs> entity, this is technically a movie. It was made in 2006, which means it was eight years after the last sequel that preceded it. Which is a long time to wait. I guess they really wanted to make a sequel, like a, a third sequel with Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr. And something, you know, some, some some bullshit happened, blah, 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 Hollywood stuff where it just kind of languished and a script wasn't getting made. And they just dropped it until they decided to make this movie. Yeah. And boy, did they ever. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is uh that's exactly how it it plays out. I mean, when the movie began um and I saw the name of the production company which is Original <laughs> Film. I thought, okay, well that's made up. <laughs> then the title comes on. I'm like, is this the parody? Right. Cuz there is like a scary movie style parody with a title that is no more or less unwieldy than this. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, I, I I got the sense that there was something unofficial about this movie. Um, <laughs> not, le- not least the way that, you know, how offensively epilepsy-inducing the first few minutes of the movie were. Yes, my first note. Thank you. Everything about the first minute of this movie seems to want to cause your brain harm right. on multiple different come with levels. It a trigger warning. Yeah. For several reasons. But, the okay, the first thing I was struck by, because, like, the first, basically the first line of the movie is, <laughs> you've all heard the story, right? Uh, I got the same <laughs> note. And again, I was like, I cannot count the number of times in a sequel that they talk about the previous sequel as like an urban legend. Right. Yeah. I mean, they do it I mean, notably they do it in Friday the thirteenth part three or two. It's been a long time. I don't remember. I don't remember which one. Yeah. But it, I mean it's it's you know, that that idea of turning you know, the events of the past movie into like Here's the here's the legend. That here's came the skinny from. on the legend, everyone. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, and you know what like, strikes okay, me? So here's where we're going. What the one thing that struck me at the beginning of this movie too was, you know, the the, the first two original movies take place. Well, <laughs> originally takes place in North Carolina, yeah. And then the characters are still from North Carolina, and there it's a fishing town. Of course, they go to the Bahamas for reasons you can listen to in our previous podcast. That because are it's ridiculous. a sequel. Yeah. But this movie takes place in Colorado. That's right. And so Broken they, Ridge, Colorado. Yeah. And they're like, you've all heard the story, right? And start telling the story about this guy who wears a slicker. And I wanted one person who's from Colorado to just say, what the fuck's a slicker? 
Because they just you know, wouldn't have a frame of reference for it. They're not a fishing town. They don't get it, you know? Uh, hey, for a fishing town, they have an awful number of hooks. True. They have There's more hooks in Broken Ridge, Colorado than the rest of the U.S., possibly the world combined. <laughs> and, well, this, and this, is a, this is... You're pointing out a problem which extends the entire movie, which is that Broken Ridge, Colorado is... So, has somehow become the center of America. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> we have a scene. We have a scene later on where a one of the characters who's a musician tells us that her band is going to play a gig, and there's going to be uh, agent L.A. agents who book nationally at this gig. Right. Mm-hmm. What the event that she's performing at? is the July 4th fair in Broken Ridge, Colorado. <laughs> I guarantee you there are no LA agents at that event. I have played it. When I was in a band, I have played at events like this. You you don't get a dressing room at all. You definitely don't get one that's big and empty and you can just sit in whatever chair you want. <laughs> this is fucking bullshit. So I, they might... I mean, obviously they wouldn't have had the money to spend it to film it in LA. They could have just done it in Canada and called it LA. But they're acting as if Broken Ridge is one, a place we should know. Mm -hmm. Two, is like somewhere where that has some kind of national significance. No, right, yeah. So th this idea, I mean, it makes sense within the weird logic of this movie that, that, that you know, Broken Ridge is this major... Metropolis. It kept making me think of Red Dawn, <laughs> like it was the same town. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and and Blue Velvet as well. You're like, right. Wow, yeah, we've got like we've got like gangsters in this small town and nightclubs. <laughs> All right. So can can I ask you this? Because I talked in the previous podcast about how very talented actors that we know <laughs> in the original movie. We're, cut, we're like doing their worst acting in that movie. Um, yes. Ryan Philippe, not good as the overbearing asshole in that movie. But they were all pretty young, too. Jennifer Love Hewitt was only like 19, I think, mm -hmm. 20 years old, maybe, during the filming of that movie. And we talked kind of sort of going along the bad actor realm for the second movie. When this movie started and the first line is, you've all heard the story, right? Mm. And the way it was shot and the way these kids were talking to each other, I thought, oh, we're in store for the worst fucking acting in the history of the world. But I got to tell you, the second oh, no. that scene... What are you going to say? The second that scene ended, oh. I thought to myself, I prefer these actors to anything I've seen in the previous two films. I don't like the film. You yeah. and I both say that this is the worst film in the series. We both say it's a bad movie. But the acting itself, uh, that first scene set aside, I thought he's a... The, I don't know any of the names. I just have them listed no, as no, blonde girl, blonde dude, fake killer, nice guy, have, and brunette. I have blonde guy, too. <laughs> but I have blonde guy... He's a better asshole than Ryan Philippe was. Like Ryan Philippe yeah, he, looked he, like a psychopath in the first movie, like like out of proportion to reality. This yeah. guy just seemed like a genuine asshole. So yeah, he's I kind just, of appreciated he's a that. Yeah, he's like he's nailing playing. There's a there's a great scene later on where in the middle of like carnage, he's fallen asleep behind a bar. Yes, uh, right, and he. They call they call him like where are you and they say like what are you doing and he goes having some vodka feeling pretty yeah, good right. <laughs> and I'm like yeah that I, I yeah I have the same thing is that that, that uh, I picked out that guy I don't you know like nothing makes me think that these guys are particularly good but I think in both movies the problem is the dialogue they have to deliver not the actors themselves right yeah for sure and these guys are like you know. Forever to be unknowns, but that's um, not exactly true, though, because I th so the one thing that made me start thinking about this more than anything was the deputy sheriff. Uh -huh. Every time the deputy sheriff was on screen, I thought to myself. 
he he's doing everything that I think that character should be doing right now. It felt motivated. I didn't it didn't have the the sting of I've never been on film before ever. I thought I kept thinking to myself, that guy's not a bad actor. And then I was watching Catching Up on Yellowstone mm. and he was on Yellowstone and I was so pleasantly surprised to see him. Yeah. It just delighted me. Yeah, the, the uh, bearing in mind, you know, if he is supposed to be playing the worst cop since right. the sheriff from Psycho two and three, <laughs> he's doing a great job. You, at one point, you've got point, it in for that sheriff. Someone hands him evidence with their bare hands. <laughs> Another cop hands him evidence in the back. Yeah, his bare hands. So yeah, no, I, I, I. The, they are not the problem with this film, but it no. is striking how. But how we've char- gone from go ahead. How we've gone from recognizable faces to to nobody, yeah, to like the most anonymous faces you'll ever see on film, right? And quickly in this, you know, from one film to the next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the actors are not the problem, but the characters are the fucking problem. 100%. Because yeah. in the original movie, yeah, they hit a guy, and then they did some not good things after that. But the hitting him with the car, that was an accident. These characters make shitty choices doing shitty things that cost people their lives. Absolutely. But strangely, makes it more motivated for them to hide it. Yeah. The car accident, I'm like, you know, in the original movie, I'm always just thinking, just call the cops. It was a fucking accident. P.S. He's not actually dead. You could have <laughs> got him to a hospital. if you, you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And I I mean, and they they uh, they euphemize what they've done mm-hmm. to an extraordinary yeah, yeah. extent. I have some quotes here. One of them is. One one of them says at one point, what happened last summer changed things. It's like, yeah, that generally happens when you murder someone and when then cover you it up. When you murder people. <laughs> and then later on, one of them again says, what happened to us? And the answer is, we killed we people. murdered someone, covered it up, <laughs> and then argued about it. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> so that there is a... either Yeah, th- these guys are not... They're just not getting the gravity of anything that's happening. At one point, one of the characters says, one more boring summer in Broken Ridge and then I'm home free. Absolutely none of that statement is true. (laughs) Zero true. (laughs) Oh, fuck. This... So, okay. We, I mean... I have to imagine there's not a lot of people listening that have seen this fucking movie, so we should tell them what happens. Well, so motivate. It's actually this. I mean, this, this is good because the, the the plot is sort of the, the actually the part of the movie that when you say when you when you start to articulate it, it actually sounds like a pretty good movie. Yeah, so, right until the ghost shows up but go on <laughs> a teenager dies in a prank that is based on an urban legend based on the first two films right so essentially they're telling each other this urban legend on the ride they get off the ride and the next thing you see is a slicker behind a tarp with a hook yeah And they're running around thinking they're being chased by the murderer who they say always shows up on the 4th of July. (laughs) And whereas up to this point, he's been the, the, you know, we're talking about Ben Willis, but they're only calling him the fisherman. They don't know he's. Yeah, just just the fisherman, because, again, this 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 crime, these original crimes took place 43 states away on the (laughs) east coast of the country. But somehow this story got out here. Probably one of those L.A. agents uh, who are hanging around Broken Ridge, yeah. Colorado, told the story one night at a fancy party. It spread like coronavirus, this well, urban absolutely. legend. Yeah. Um, 
And so, you know, uh, and that, that's important that they're only calling him the fisherman because this is very, very, this is what I mean about the, the foundations of, of uh, trying to found a franchise based on a, a slasher. Mm-hmm. And they're giving him like a colloquial name um, rather than just Ben Willis. Ben Willis, right. Which is, I mean, you know, I would say that's a pretty bland name, but when you think about Michael Myers is only scary because you think about what Michael Myers is. Right, yeah. Freddy Krueger, you know, is a perfectly innocuous name until you know he's a... Until uh, you know a, he's a burned a, guy a who... A pedophile enter- serial killer appears in your who, who enters in your dreams, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if anything, the fisherman kind of lightens his image a little bit. Yeah, well, th- and that's the thing is like every time the, the the whole problem for me with the series is every time I see the fisherman, I I'm thinking Morton Salt Girl. I just want him to have an umbrella <laughs> walking down the fucking street, you know. I also think that you know has anyone commented on on how much the fisherman inadvertently looks like Dark Helmet from Spaceballs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and well, okay, so. But- but, what, but, but what's what's interesting is at this point in the movie, the connection to the original two films is pretty tenuous. Yeah, com- yeah, absolutely. And you and we ha- we then have a gap of one year, like the first movie, and so you think it's going down the avenue of, oh, so we're gonna this series is gonna be an anthology of horror movies about teens where there's a gap of one year. Involved yeah. somehow. So in the first movie, you have inciting incident a year later. In the second movie, it's just a year after that. Right. <laughs> this movie reverts back to the original. This is basically just a remake of the original film set in Colorado with supernatural elements. And with they, the other big... the other kind of big development is that they've turned the title into a catchphrase mm-hmm. variations on i know what you did last summer are said uh in in every uh are, are said shown heard in every possible media right but that's the problem with this movie is the title of this movie is I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer because that's really the only place left to go with how you've titled your stupid movies. But yeah. that's never said in the movie. It's always I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> oh, we get every variation in this of that. Mo- yeah, right. Someone says, I've, I've got it here. I we We know what you're doing this summer. Mm-hmm. We, we we get every possible variation except the one that they chose as a title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially what happens is they pull this prank. The prank includes somebody making a skateboard escape onto the roof of a parking garage. And mm-hmm. he's got to slide down on the skateboard. But the guy in the slicker suit, the fisherman, is in on it. Mm-hmm. He's one of the friends. And this is the perspective on that scene, by the way, the worst shit I've ever seen in my life because the cops go chasing them up to the top and you're looking from below and the fisherman just ducks down. But for the cops, that means he's disappeared. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's so stupid. But and, that... and again, you feel the filmmaking is at fault. It's not the horror trope of the of the right. dumb cop. No, it's just it's just filmed poorly. They're not they're not particularly dumb cops. But what happens to Skateboard Boy is he falls off. And by the way, none of the kids even know this, which I thought was funny. Hmm. Because if he's falling off right in front of them, yet somehow they don't see that he falls onto what was it, spikes from a you know, it's some sort of building. I couldn't ma- I couldn't make it out one of the town's many hooks. Yeah. <laughs> one of the ever present hooks available <laughs> to this town in Colorado. But the kid dies and at the very least this is really motivating for that is a moral quandary. Yeah. Because you can take responsibility but if you do you're going to fucking jail. In the first movie 
I don't honestly believe that they'd go to jail. But, okay, fuck that first movie. We don't have to worry about it. In this movie, Mm -hmm. you're making a choice. You can say this was a prank that just went way out of hand, but then you're going to jail probably. Yeah. Or you keep it a secret and deal with keeping it a secret. And that is was way more interesting than anything that happened in the first yeah. two movies to me. Absolutely agreed. Also, the, 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 as the movie goes on, the question in your mind as to whether, whether it's one of the characters, the new characters in the movie dressing up as the fishermen, right. because we know, because the iconography of this is like an urban legend. So, uh, it is, is this Friday the 13th part five? You know, where it just turns out to be a copycat. Or is Ben Willis back? Right. The answer will upset you. Shock you. (laughs) And you're going to find out that answer. Yeah, you're going to find out that answer when we come back. We're going to talk more about I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. Holy shit, I'm tired. I, I, I need to... I need a break after just saying these titles. We'll be right back right after this. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. (laughs) I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beer. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we are back. We are here right now talking about I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer, the sequel slash remake, I'm going to say, of the 1997 movie. That's accurate. Yeah. Um, All right. So we've kind of explained the plot of this movie. These kids make a terrible mistake. They decide to cover it up. And then shit starts going down again, right? Yeah, after after the you know the um, conventional gap of exactly one year of exactly one year, and these kids have accomplished a lot in that year. <laughs> They've gone from like zero to careers, uh, jobs. You know, one of them is nearly a famous musician. Yeah, no, but not Blonde Boy. Bl- it didn't work out for Blonde Boy. He was going to USC and had to quit. Right. <laughs> That's right, yeah. But uh so it's it's kind of interesting a lot happens in that that time. And another interesting structural thing like a, an a interesting timeline thing that they do. And this is why I genuinely thought at this stage at this stage of the movie where we have the time lapse, I thought this movie is trying to be like an anthology. It wants to be like like we're we're gonna sever the links to the previous two films. Yeah, it's, it's this is gonna trying be a to American story. horror story. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be that because it was imitating the the narrative structure of Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. <laughs> in That's like great. building up slowly to yeah. the July Fourth date when everything right because goes they down. have the, they have the countdown. So yeah, so I was like, I'm convinced that this movie is like cutting itself off from the rest of the. Um, the rest of the series. Alas, no. No. <laughs> but this but movie, see, you know, this movie, you know, so when the shit starts happening, this is the thing I love in horror movies. You, you know, when the killer appears but doesn't kill anybody but just is there to scare the person. Yeah. 
But in this movie, they 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 do it while she's on a gondola. <laughs> so our hero woman is in a gondola, and apparently another one passes by, and she's, oh, did I see something? Oh, it looks like he was in it. And then the next thing you know, he's on top of her gondola and smashing windows and shit. Hmm. But when she gets to the bottom, he's gone. And you think to yourself, well, this just can't be. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Except, yeah. Tom, our killer's a different kind of killer. <laughs> uh, specifically supernatural. Correct. <laughs> so, so apparently he can just appear whenever he wants. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so so we um you know once we've had the year gap, we do the classic, getting the gang the gang back together story, except that we've known, the gang for exactly half an hour, mm-hmm. that we're getting back together, um and they stand around and say things like, "What is this a reunion?" Yeah. Yes, 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 that's exactly what's yes. happening. As a matter of fact, it is. <laughs> <laughs> also, what at this this point in the movie, so many strange. Things happen. Things are said. At one point, and maybe maybe this is my ignorance. Okay, I I I do, one of them says it's about to storm. Is storm often used as a verb? No, I don't. Yeah, I think you're right. Do, do, do you I mean, I'm not saying it's about to storm. I'm not from Colorado. <laughs> I just said the same thing. I said in my notes, is this a Colorado thing? <laughs> so, so I can't you get speak off to... the bus in Broken Ring. It's like, oh, a storm. It's, it's about... about to storm. You couldn't there, even you say guys. it yourself right now. You said it. You said it's a. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine a situation in which. In oh, which you use storm as a verb. That's anyway. great. Yeah, I you know, so you introduce the supernatural. <laughs> but how but based on what we talked about in the previous movie, how would you know the difference? Yeah, that's true. If he if he can if if as flesh and blood Ben Willis, he can clean up bodies. Well, and that's the thing that about quickly then right. what's what's the supernatural like giving he, him? He can clean up he bodies. He's shot in the grave, but like you said, they didn't even take the time to put leaves on his face. He shows up yeah. at the end of the movie, so that posits, well, it could posit that he's still alive. That's the intended thing about all the, you know, the first two movies are trying I to tell I was surprised you. when he was a zombie. Yeah. I was expecting and to that, see Ben Willis. But what I was going to say was that comes really late in this movie. Yeah. I don't think they knew they were going in that direction. <laughs> and I think they just had like, you know, like a, I don't know, maybe Star Trek Voyager was filming in the studio over or something. And mm-hmm. they were just like, or would have been like Enterprise at that point. This is be like, can we borrow this mask? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Guys, we've got an ending. Yeah. You know, what's funny Michael is this. Westmore wonders is like, who took my fucking mask? <laughs> <laughs> that's how he speaks. This movie feels firmly ensconced in the 2000s because you have... Oh, yes. You've already mentioned skateboarding escape. Skateboarding escape. You have boyfriend and then new boyfriend. And, like, how you know new boyfriend is a good guy is because he's got spiky hair. (laughs) They are... Terrible fucking music. Yeah. Thrash metal. They're, They're upgrading from notes... Give it uh, left by the killer to texts live, yes. left by the killer, that kind of shit. Um, I have a question for you. Yeah, you know that scene where uh she she's in the 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 main girl is in the house is in a house and her parents are gone because as we've already because they must be parents like to abandon their children on major holidays. <laughs> um. And an alarm goes off. Oh my god! I have a note. I'm so glad you brought this up. Go ahead. Okay, so, Go ahead. So it was eleven twenty at night. Yes. Because you can see it. You see it. <laughs> yes. On the radio, and it plays a burst of thrash metal. Well, presumably. Hang on, I'm going to stop you right there too, because for starters, for starters, bad filmmaking. Because 
right before this, there's a dream sequence, like a frightening dream sequence. But the first thing the director does is give you an establishing shot of her sleeping. Yes. So you don't get the... (laughs) (laughs) So so you know that everything that's happening now is a dream. (laughs) She wakes up and it feels like the middle of the night, doesn't it? It feels like 2 a.m. But the clock says 11.20. Right. Right? Okay, go ahead. Well, 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 my question is... Well, like, first of all, why would you you want to wake up to thrash metal? Yeah, (laughs) fair, fair. Second, why would you wake wake up up at 11.20... She didn't wake up to that. The dream woke her up, and then she went downstairs. And well, what was that alarm set for? Yeah, exactly. The alarm on a kitchen clock goes off to speed metal. Like, do you like? It's like eleven twenty at night is around the time that I generally like fall asleep on my kitchen counter. I don't ever set an alarm in my kitchen for eleven twenty at night. I can't think of a reason. P.S. Then there's an establishing shot of the clock when she goes to turn it off, and it says. 2.21 p.m. <laughs> Swear to God. I'm, I'm inst- instantly thinking of um, The Simpsons where, that, where Homer's being interviewed by like a uh, a Nightline type <laughs> show. Right. And then the interview is so edited that the clock keeps moving. Go, back go and forth. back. And forth. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, I I was losing my shit during that sequence. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was so sloppy because the immediate scene after that is her going to see her friend. I don't remember either playing somewhere or rehearsing. Yep. Right. Rehearsing. rehearsing. And we get a brief appearance from Jeff the gay the gay skeleton from Late Night with Craig Ferguson. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! But but I just I was baffled because. When you when you include a dream sequence, that denotes middle of the night. So I think it's two a.m. But then we see a clock that says eleven twenty at night. Yeah. But then she goes to turn off that clock, and it says two twenty one p.m. But then she's immediately even at le- even at eleven twenty at night. You're going. You're leaving your home to go watch somebody rehearse. Yeah. It's. It's hard to, hard to believe. Yeah. Don't get it. <laughs> well, I I'm, I also can't believe that um, Zoe, who for some reason is the only name I, of the character I can remember in this movie. Oh no, not me. The, the singer of the singer is that of the brunette? group that, that she's going to visit. Okay, that's brunette. Um, she's she she's so mad at her friend for not responding to her efforts. To get in touch with her, which yeah. consisted of her giving her flyers to her, to her gigs. Yes, which are expensive. She reminds her. You know, it's like it, honestly, if I, <laughs> if if I like excommunicated people from my life who didn't respond <laughs> to like advertising for the shit I'm doing, oh, I yeah. would literally speak to no one. No one. <laughs> They'd all be cut off. Yeah. So I'm not getting a great amount of chemistry and rapport between these characters. No. I suppose they are meant to be estranged. I mean, I started writing down, like, silly fucking notes. Like, like for the brunette girl, at one point I wrote down, she is wearing the whitest, the the biggest white belt I've ever seen in the world. Is she the heavyweight champion of something? (laughs) I've never seen such a big belt. You know, something I had a real issue with, and I think it was just... It was just like so many things were going wrong in the movie, and this was just like, you know, this was this was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. <laughs> is when the main girl is. Turns out that she is now a photographer. Mm-hmm. I just lost my shit. I was like, <laughs> "There's enough things wrong with this movie without the main character being a photographer." It's like one of the one of the worst things in any movie when the main character takes fucking photographs all the time. Yeah. Well, even and City of God, which is a great movie, that that the, the lead guy does not need to be a photographer. <laughs> I get it. Poverty's bad. Uh, that's great. So that just that's put me in a in a bad, a bad in a bad state of mind. 
And that's early on. I mean, that's <laughs> you're finding that information that out early. quickly. But she also um and uh, and that photography thing comes back in a scene which, you know, I said in the last podcast that uh we get a call back to another Joe sequel in this movie. And she tries to show a blurry image of a hook in one of her photographs to uh to her friends and they're like, It doesn't look like a hook to me. And that happens in Jaws too. Yeah. The underwater photographs which he which Roy Scheider sees a snark a shark and everyone else sees nothing. Yeah, I mean and I'm on Roy Scheider's side. He's like, look at the eye, the mouth. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's a fucking shark. Or what he could just say, hey, remember when I saved this town from a fucking shark? Yeah. <laughs> Time to listen to me. Yeah. And then you then this is where you start to get like too many hooks. Too many Everyone's what? Everyone's got a hook. A guy tries to kill himself with a hook. <laughs> right. No. Tries to slit his own wrists with a hook. That's what I was just going to say. In the middle of trying to kill himself, he's confronted by a murderer <laughs> and then runs away. Yeah. And by the way, what is his job? Because I can't figure it out. He's I was the like, hook guy at the, uh, at well, the cable he, car station. No, I don't know. I was like, is he a welder? Is he an artist? <laughs> is he a brewmaster? What the fuck is this kid doing in this huge factory where he's well, apparently I living? Mean, presumably, you're... Presumably, when you have as many hooks in one place, you need someone to do inventory. Right. Why would he accept that job, though? <laughs> you think it would trigger him a little bit. He was the guy wearing the slicker suit, wearing the fake hook. <laughs> because you, you know I what would happened, not right? take that job. <laughs> well, you know what happened? He went to the interview and said, do you have any hooking experience? And he was like, you fuck. heard the story, right? <laughs> he said, fuck, yes. Lots of experience. Well, uh, if you look at my resume, you'll see in the year 2007, I participated uh, in a in a hook-based prank that resulted <laughs> in the death of um, a close friend. And <laughs> I like that you're positing that that's on his resume. Well, I, I, mean, I, I presume like... I presume under special skills. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah fucking great i did there, there was um we get another you we've been we there's so many dream sequences in this film we get another one with zoe the band the woman the girl who has the band mm-hmm. she has a dream sequence where you where she thinks she's rehearsing in the dream but it turns out she's not is that the one where where so <laughs> and i wrote a note that made me really mad until I realized that they were covering it, because isn't that the where she wakes up? But she wakes, and you're hearing music, like dun 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 kind of music, and you think, and I thought to myself, she's looking around as though she's hearing the instrumental music over this movie. But then it's, she it's, gets it's up, double... and it turns out it was on a speaker. <laughs> it's a double. It's a definitely a double dream scene. I remember that. Okay. It's a double dream, but it's so haphazardly filmed you can't tell. How would what's you going know? On. Right? Yeah, exactly. I do remember there's a really annoying piece of feedback, like microphone feed or amplifier feedback in there, and I, I and at that point I just thought this movie is like one long fucking piece of feedback. <laughs> the same level of annoyance that's encapsulated in that feedback. Is this movie is present throughout this movie? Also, I mean, there is a. There, I I I noted that there are there are shots in this movie that are really technically competent and show real filmmaking skill, but are completely meaningless. Yeah. Why are we looking at characters through a rear view, view mirror? Mm-hmm. We're looking at one of the characters through a rear view mirror for about three minutes, solid. And I'm like, great. I'm. I mean, that's a. I, I couldn't do that. That's a that's a that's a that's a really skilled bit of filmmaking. But I but stop showing off there. with it. Just yeah, just show us you can do it and move driver. on. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, okay. 
you know, the, the killer starts killing people. He kills he kills the original guy in the slicker suit. Yes. But the other three last a while. They do. Together. They, really do. they have to they have to figure their shit out together. And they, they manage to add another member to their crew, which is Right, which is nice guy. Lance, who is the cousin question mark Dude, of the guy who died. Nice guy. <laughs> But is he the cousin of the guy who died? He's related to him. Yes, he is related to him. But also, he, he it's also revealed, yeah, very quickly. It's revealed that he found out not a year not, ago. not I don't think it was a year ago. I oh, think it was like a few months ago. That's I think right. it was because the guy who, who tries to kill himself with the hook told him a few days before the main part of the story gets started, before we're back to the 4th of July. So he yes. did he did know but I guess sympathized with their predicament? I don't think you get closer to people after you find out they murdered and covered up the you, the death of your relative. Well, yeah. <laughs> not this technically, is, this is the point it's not like murder one, though. It's, it's more of a, it's not depraved indifference. It's like a, you know, manslaughter. Still murders. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Uh... <laughs> um, this is the point in which they consider throwing the hook in a volcano. What's the what's the logic behind that? I couldn't tell you. It's the one. It's the blonde guy's idea. So I mean, of course, no, nobody in the movie's listening to it. No, yeah, it's but complete he says nonsense. He finds the hook, and then I guess the killer leaves to say, uh, "Fisherman's back" or whatever, mm-hmm. and. He's like, just chuck it in a damn cold volcano. And I was like, whoa, does the hook have magical properties? <laughs> Is it just the hook killing people? So now that we're getting into the magical properties, let's take a break. And, and then turns we're gonna... out that he was right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably if they threw that's, it in a that's volcano, what I'm saying. So, would disappear. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break. And then we'll talk about the supernatural elements to this film right after this. Stay with us. If you're anything like me, you spend the majority of the day wondering whether you want coffee, beer, or wine. Whichever way you fall, Brew Bar has you covered. Located in the heart of 3rd Avenue Village in glorious downtown Chula Vista, California, which is also my neck of the woods, Brew Bar is a coffee shop, bar, and eatery rolled into one delightful package. Tim and Alex run the place, and let me tell you listeners, these guys know their coffee. And after you've been in their company, so will you. They turned me on to pour over, and it's literally all I drink now. If for some crazy reason you don't want to try the best coffee in the world, they've got espresso drinks, all kinds of teas, and even coffee cocktails. You heard me. Coffee tails. And we're just getting started. Bottle service on craft beer and wine, alcoholic and caffeinated potions, an all-day food menu with plenty of vegan options. All served up in an atmosphere hip enough to know you're getting the best quality, but not too hip that you feel the need to drive to 7-Eleven and get a bucket of brown swill. Brew Bar. It's the best place to be for beer, wine, coffee and tea. And if you go, you might even see me. We're back, everyone. We're here talking about I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. Tom, we promised we were going to get into the supernatural nonsense of this movie. Yeah. How surprised were you? Because I'm looking at my notes, and my fifth to last note is, killer is ghost, question mark? (laughs) Yeah, I had a similar note. Uh, I put Ben Willis was flesh and blood last time we saw him. Did they forget? (laughs) Or has he died between the sequels? So it... I think this movie is positing that Ben Willis actually died in two and now roams the United States in search of kids who commit crimes and don't admit it. Right. And up to this point, the movie has led as very strongly led us to believe that this is this is a character. From the movie. Dressing up. uh, As uh, in, you know, a fish in the. In the raincoat. Right. Because they're like, 
they're trying to fake the audience out. There's lots of bluffs. They at one point say the sheriff was involved in special forces. Oh, that's a <laughs> that's a that's that that sounds like somebody who could murder. You that know? sounds like someone who could clean up a body quickly. And it was he was it was his son, right? Because it was his son that yeah, died. Yeah, his son. Yeah. So we think he might be the killer. We think. Yeah, and it was like I, that's that's kind of a nice fake out because the last movie was a family revenge drama Mm -hmm. so it's perfectly possible that they would do the same thing again and because nice guy is the cousin and because the last nice guy in the second movie turned out to be ben willis's murdering son yeah you think he might be the murderer too right but no it's a ghost (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's the ghost version of, of Ben Willis. But I am most I most want to talk about how remarkable it is that a how late they establish that it's a ghost <laughs> and then any of the rules surrounding this ghost and how the ghost can be hurt. Yeah, because the characters have to learn that shit on the fly. <laughs> In just the most ridiculous week, and, and ways. not in an entertaining, right. uh, self-reflexive Gremlins two, the new batch kind of way. No, yeah. In a we haven't written this movie properly kind of way. Well, so basically, what you have is they all go to the brunette girls' band contest. <laughs> I'm gonna call it. Yeah, this hick, this hick fair where the, yeah, you know, right. David Geffen is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the Fourth of July local fair, in which, <laughs> yeah, Fourth uh, 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 uh. of July talent. I believe it's called like a talent contest as well. It's not even a real gig. These yeah, are like right? amateurs. I'll tell you. I'll tell. I, I, I'm embarrassed to say this though, because they show like their whole song. Yeah, I kind of liked that song. It's fine, yeah. I was like, I kind of like this song. I dig it. Yeah, and um, and we forgot to mention the last one. Jennifer Love Hewitt performs on the soundtrack of the last movie. Does she? So there's like a crossover here where like the... You mean beyond just for the... uh... Yeah, not just singing I Will Survive. She's got a song on the soundtrack. Oh, I thought you just meant for the karaoke. (laughs) No, so there's this kind of... Both both sequels have a kind of crossover where the, the... the um, the victims of of the killer are also singing on the soundtrack, which I can, there can't be many examples of that. No. <laughs> so essentially, what you have is they go to the fair to see the show, and then they they plan on leaving. Right? They just want to get the fuck out of town. So, so basically, I mean, what we've alluded, they 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 sort of deal with what we talked about. It's like, hey, he only kills on July fourth. Let's get the fuck out of here. Right. But but unfortunately, they decide to stay until well, the fourth of July. Zoe's like, oh, I have the gig. So we have like a non-comic version of that Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where Larry's <laughs> wife wants to stay in L.A. even though she knows there's going to be a terrorist attack because she has a benefit. For right. the company that she works for, and she can't miss it. And this is the same thing. It's like, oh, there's going to be agents there, and they're like, yeah, we're going to die. Well, we'll leave as soon as the song is finished. Yeah, but I could finish the song and then leave. Right, and then they can't get out of the. They can't get out of backstage. Right. So the the, basically, yeah, so the again, killer shows up and starts chasing them all over the place. It's like a horror version of that scene from Spinal Tap, where they get lost backstage and can't find their way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love there's this one part because at this point even though they're trying to tell us it could be nice guy it could be cop uh, it could be two cops right they, they also kind of are throwing shade at the <laughs> at the deputy sheriff they're throwing tons of shade over the regular sheriff yeah you, and you, I mean going back to Scream this could be like the flexible ghost face style killer where it could right. literally be anybody. Be anybody. And multiple but, people in the same And movie. I think it's brunette girl that dies, right? Yeah. And the sheriff finds the body. And I love that he says, 
he gets on his CB and he says, we got a problem here. Fucking hell. <laughs> and my note is, yeah, a dead girl. That's the first fucking thing you say. The, you the say, de- the deputy. I've got a, there's a dead body here. You don't say we got a problem. I think it, it, that line is taught by the deputy saying, why are you covered in blood? Right. <laughs> it's like, are you Raymond Barone's brother? Because we, try- we, we were trying to help, they say. Oh. But it's so, I mean, it's literally in the last 10 minutes of this movie, A, that you find out it's a ghost, B, what the rules surrounding the ghost are, which they find out for themselves in real time. That's right. They try to set up a, like they show us, I don't know how long, two, four, five minutes worth of film, them trying to set up a total get nailed with a hook scene that's like basically predator. Yeah. So so <laughs> instead of a tree up up in the <laughs> up in the forest, they have a hook uh set to impale. Yeah. And then the moment arrives and the killer's like, "Whoop, dodge." <laughs> and then the chase goes on for 10 more minutes. I mean, I yeah. thought that was going to be the end, but no. Have we even found out it's a ghost yet? Yeah, by that point it, it... So we we see we briefly glimpse he's he's got like heavy prosthetics he's blue he's yeah. old his eyes so are glowing pretty, I mean again it's pretty ambiguous no no one's like oh turns out you know he's a ghost no they absolutely wanted the actor who played Ben Willis back and he just said no thank you <laughs> so this was the solution yeah okay uh, I mean it's. Interesting as well, like when they dispatch him, one of them says the secret. I think the main girl says the secret dies with you. Yeah, and I'm like, so this movie is asking us to prefer murder and conspiracy. Yeah, <laughs> to what this guy is doing, which now we know he's Ben Willis, is again just vigilante justice. Yeah, giving people their comeuppance for getting yeah. people killed and then covering it up. Yeah, and again, it's like this. That I mean, maybe this is, again is a reason that you can't keep going with this movie. Is that is that you have the the characters who are getting killed deserve what they're getting. Mm-hmm. So where's the? I mean, wh- who are we supposed to be identifying with? Essentially, Tom, all of these movies are about justice. <laughs> But <laughs> but the, but, they're but nobody they're receives the justice they deserve. <laughs> but they do, but they you know they they defeat um they defeat the person who is doing what is the closest to justice in the movie, i.e. trying not to let people who committed crimes get yeah. away with it. And that's the funny thing about all these movies is. There's a common refrain, you, like you see it in politics, of of politicians not being able to take responsibility for what they've done, and all of that is very much seeped up, seeped into regular lives. Kids not taking responsibility, like just you know, we're living in a world now where nobody takes responsibility for anything, and this movie is saying, correct, that's the right behavior. Don't take responsibility. Right, yeah, cover cover up your your crimes at any cost. Yeah. Um, incidentally, I think the way to handle the situation you just described is to get yourself in a slicker, put a hook on your hand, and see if that changes the kid's mind. <laughs> For Halloween, I've decided to be slice, slice, slice. So that's that's a that's not a good note for this movie to end with for all the reasons you just described. Agreed. Um, not to mention, I mean, there's so much weird shit. Like that. So the deputy sheriff shows up. He tries to shoot him with a shotgun. By the way, his shotgun only has two shells in it. Who starts the day with only two shells in their shotgun? Especially he in gets a the shotgun... metropolis like Broken Ridge. <laughs> right? He gets the shotgun shoved through his own body because he was careless enough. Not that it matters because the bullets have no effect on him. Mm. And it's the girl who figures out, we got to use the hook. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, it, but it, then in the end, you don't have to use the hook because she throws him into a shredder. <laughs> this uh, it was at that point in the movie where I thought that this movie's paying far too much attention to the tools that the killer's using, rather than right. explaining yeah. who the killers are. Yeah. <laughs> we know literally zero about how Ben Willis became this murder zombie, but boy, do we know about his implements in in detail um yeah i i guess another revelation you get in these final few minutes is that literally everyone in this town knows that these kids killed yeah the kid and covered it up lance knows it the cops the cop knows it yeah it's the most open of secrets um which Again, that completely undoes the entire movie at that point because it's all based around a cover-up that everyone in the town that <laughs> has not been covered up happened, <laughs> and we're just like <laughs> we're just very very zen about you know forgiving them. Right. That's the problem with these li- these these liberal values, these un-American values. <laughs> Sometimes, and this you know this. Uh, this could easily be the Trump Pence twenty twenty slogan. Sometimes you just need a fisherman. Perfect. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think we're done. <laughs> I literally have no more notes. Literally, uh, yeah, I, literally. I just I said my last note about twenty minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean well, that's not a reason to stop talking. But let me know, ask I, you this though. I, I got no I you know I got nothing. So I want to know what you think about the last scene in the movie. Because okay, right. Take into account all the things we're taking into account. Oh God, I've totally forgot about that when she right. Uh, uh, yes. What is it? A year later or I is it? Oh, I don't I, know. I don't know if it's a year later, but she's driving to California Fucking... to see new boyfriend. Why, when she lives in Broken Ridge, why would she go to California? <laughs> That's like moving to a hick town. <laughs> but so we have a ghost killer who was stabbed with his own hook and then shredded. She tells him that the secret dies with him. You're dealing practically, in reality, with a movie that is uh, eight years after the last sequel, yeah. is direct to video, mm-hmm. and bound to not be felt as important. <laughs> yeah. And yet they decide to go for an ending that says, the killer's back. <laughs> yeah, it's... And also, I, I presume, I mean, like the, it's it's kind of the the last scene has that feeling of we've given up, and yeah. yet, we we know that you know that that if there's any possibility for a sequel, we have to put this in. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but it, that's a weird mix because it's like, it's like we we want to bring things back to the beginning of this movie, which is like roadside killing road slides you know yeah like we're, we're circ i mean and that's another thing that the third and well and it's does. just it visually the beginning but they're, they're going for a scare and it's just visually hilarious to see a man in a slicker in the desert <laughs> yeah it's like it's like that guy's gonna die of dehydration before he gets anywhere near you yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's 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 like I think that I think at that point the movie has given up. They they know they need to do a final scare because that's what you do in these kind of movies. Because that's just what you do. Yeah. It was probably part of the contract that you have a final scare like this, the possibility of a sequel. But I don't think anyone, even the people making this movie, can have any sense that that they have rescued, that they've salvaged the franchise. The franchise. Yeah. I think there is a there is a sense as this movie goes on that this is the the kind of last. The last bow of hurrah of the franchises, as in indeed it was. So I suppose the question is, can one of us salvage the franchise? Well, we 
one of us can. So stay tuned, everybody, for Pitch a Sequel. (laughs) Coming up in the next episode, Tom and I will pitch our sequels to this magnificently Uh trashy series. I can't wait to to find out what your title is. (laughs) I I think you might have an idea. Save it, Tom. Save it. That's it for all what it what what it involves. <laughs> That's it for I'll always know what you did last summer. Uh ladies and gentlemen, I recommend you not watch the movie and just listen to the podcast. Yeah, I mean I think you're I think we have covered literally everything that happens in the movie. And you can't say that about many movies. A movie can't even say it about itself. We did it with a plum. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. We're pitching our sequels. Stay tuned. Bye.